Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Sam Russ. Thanks for being on the show, Sam. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks, Whitney. So I met Sam in Denver a few weeks back and was very impressed with what he's accomplished in a very short amount of time and just his ability to get these things done and in starting in the syndication business and, and having some success and doing really well. And so I uh, knew he'd be a great guest and could really relate to uh, a lot of the listeners. And so, but Sam grew up in Idaho on a farm and as the oldest of eight, learned the value of hard work stacking over 200 tons of hay per summer. That's a lot of hay. I've stacked a lot of hay in my time and that sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely uh, kept us out of trouble in Idaho summers. So he learned the value of learning. He graduated college at the age of 17, which is also extremely impressive. Uh, married to his wife, Becca, in, uh, in uh, 2012, now has four daughters. Congratulations. And uh, he started investing in real estate in 2017 and quickly moved to syndication and a managing partner of 65 units. So Sam, you know, thanks again for your time and being on the show. And, you know, I just feel like you can really relate to uh, the listeners and where you're at in your process right now of, of the syndication business. And, uh, but give the listeners a little more about your background and, and what you're doing right now in real estate. Yeah, I started, uh, as you just mentioned in my bio back in 2017, like most people read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and had a little bit of an epiphany and really changed my mind specifically on how it relates to debt and using debt to get ahead. Really have been influenced a lot by Dave Ramsey growing up. And I think Dave Ramsey does an excellent job of teaching people how to be an adult with money. I think that that's really important. No matter what you're trying to do, to be a good steward with your money is the, the number one thing. But then after that, Rich Dad, Poor Dad opened my eyes to what's possible looking at assets, things like that. And so I just started diving in and doing a ton of research, reading a bunch of books, uh, listening to a ton of podcasts. With my background, my parents instilled in me a love of learning. I think that's the, the most important gift they gave me. And so I really enjoyed the process of researching all these different areas in real estate that people can and have been very successful in. But as I journeyed down that road, really started appreciating the scale that comes from multifamily syndication. Uh, the business model made sense to me. And I felt like there was a, a lot of large demographic reasons to start looking at that space. Um, as housing continues to get more expensive, people are always going to need somewhere to live. And if you can make that jump and scale relatively quickly, I think that there's a lot of benefits that come with that. And, and an interesting, I guess, side note that I noticed as I was listening to all these podcasts was whenever someone would have a syndicator on, they would ask them, you know, what do you wish you had done sooner? Or what do you wish that uh, you had done a little bit differently? And I said, I wish I'd skipped single family fix and flipping or whatever it was and gone straight to syndication. I just found that to be a pattern that repeated over and over. And by this time, kind of the fall of 2017, I had bought a single family house to basically house hack with some student housing and uh, read that and then uh, listened to that and then read Grant Cardone's book, The 10X Rule. Uh, that really convicted me of the need for massive action. So I said, you know what? In 2018, we're going to buy an apartment complex, Lord willing. And we started the process, started building foundation. And uh, by the end of 2018, we had a 64-unit apartment complex. 
you know, when you and I met, I, I was just impressed that you jumped right into syndication. Like you, I've heard time and time again, even on, on this show, that people say, you know, I wish I'd skipped the 10 years of fixing and flipping that other job that I created, you know, and just got into syndication a lot faster or a lot sooner, you know, sooner. Mm hmm. And so, you know, I can relate to that, but, you know, I, I know part of your background and, and I know, you know, you're you know, a successful family business that you're a part of. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're looking at real estate. So when did you say, okay, you know, I, I want to start educating myself about real estate, you know, even though, I mean, you have a great career going, you know, but then you still want to look into real estate. When did that happen? I know you said rich dad, poor dad, some of that kind of opened your eyes, but you know, when in this process? Yeah, I think uh, my wife and I, as we've been looking towards the future, trying to define how we can be the best stewards of what we've been given, both in, in time and in money. And early in 2018, so before we had landed on an apartment complex, when we were just beginning to research syndication, we were really searching for our why. You know, And I think that that's really important. You have to have a big enough why. And we're still working on defining exactly what some of those details look like. But a big component of it was we wanted to get to a place where I didn't have to trade time for money. And Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about that in, in his quadrants. But it, it would free us up to do a lot of different things with both our money, but especially our time, obviously, if we're not making that traditional exchange of clocking it at a W-2 employer. You know, I do work, as you mentioned, in a family business that I really enjoy. Uh, it's an industrial sales organization. But even there, I am somewhat bound by the clock. Um, and real estate uh, has the ability to give us the freedom uh, to really pick and choose and design our lifestyle. And again, for us, it really comes back to the concept of stewardship. How can we be the best stewards of what we've been given? You mentioned in the intro, we've got four daughters. Raising them is a fairly full-time job for my wife, and I would love to be more involved in that and do things together as a family. And I also just really, really enjoy real estate. I've really taken to it and enjoy the entire process. So... You know, I'd like to go into that first deal a little bit and just, you know, your confidence uh, of being able to do that right off the bat and, and where most people say, oh, you know, and I heard it getting started in the syndication business. I talked to try to find those people that are way ahead of me and try to network and connect. And most of them, you know, are, or especially at the local REI will say, you know, wait a minute, you know, that's, um, you know, most people start with that single family home and then they get a duplex and then they, you know, scale up from there. I heard that so many times, you know, and but I, I was just like, nope, I'm not. I'm not listening to that. You know, I'm going to pursue the syndication thing that I'm starting to learn about. And I think we can scale a lot faster than that. And so, and, and you've done that, you know, as well. And so could you elaborate just on, you know, going into that first deal, you know, as a, or this, this first deal through syndication and, and just how you had the confidence to do that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a learning process. I mean, the first thing is identifying what you need to know. And there's a ton of moving parts in a syndication overall syndication, it's not a terribly complex business, but there's a lot of aspects of it that you have to kind of have under your belt to execute a deal from start to finish. And so after being exposed to the concept and generally knowing, the first thing that came to the forefront is what I needed to do was start building relationship with brokers. You know, the deal is all important. If you find a good deal, you know, the rest of it kind of falls into place as it were. So, you know, starting to establish relationships with brokers and then at the same time also learning how to underwrite. I kind of broke down the entire process into manageable chunks. What do I need to learn today that I can then go and implement as I'm trying to find a deal, as I'm trying to talk to brokers, as I am underwriting? 
knowing that I don't have to master the intricacies of the SEC law until we get a deal under contract. I don't need to learn everything there is to know about due diligence until we're under contract. Obviously, you need to have a little bit of a, a heads up. Not all that learning can be crammed into the first five days of contract. But generally, trying to space out and not, not trying to learn all of syndication at once, but just starting with what we needed immediately and then growing from there. And I really like that. If you see, it's, like, it's kind of like how do you eat an elephant, right? You know, one bite at a time. And, and so I like how, how you talked about, you know, what do I need to learn today? And so it's kind of like the one thing, you know, that book, if, if you've heard of the one thing, uh, you know, it's like, what is most important right now, instead of, you know, really possibly getting overwhelmed or discouraged by seeing this big task at hand. Uh, but what can I do today? And, and I find that by finding that one thing today and knocking that out, you know, those small accomplishments build some momentum and then help me to get to the bigger goal at the end. Exactly. You know, the, a buzzword that comes out of the 10X rule is massive action. Massive action is really just taking deliberate steps on a daily basis, and it'll compound just like interest will um, into something pretty incredible. If you stick to it, you have a game plan and you work the plan. So tell us about how you built that relationship with this broker. You know, you hadn't done a syndication before. How did they have confidence in you that that you were going to be able to close this deal? What did that look like getting started? Yeah. So I first went to LoopNet, which is more of a, a public area for deals and where people would say good deals go to die. But I started practicing underwriting deals. And I also was looking at who are the more active brokerage firms here in Colorado. I'm based in the Denver area. Um, and I was wanting to pick a market that I could drive to. I wasn't really interested in my first syndication and doing something out of state. So I was looking at Denver, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins. And I started noticing that there was two or three brokerage firms, as there are in most cities, that controlled you know, a good solid 75% of the deal flow. And then once I identified those firms, I went into those firms' websites and started looking for brokers that were on the younger side, but weren't brand new to the business. I was looking for guys that had won some sort of internal award, whether that was the highest growth or you know, an overachiever. And there's a variety of different awards that get published in local real estate journals. And so in my mind, I was trying to find somebody or a couple of somebodies who would be young enough that they're still filling out their investor network and still looking for buyers, but experienced enough that they're actually going to be valuable to me and they're actually going to have relationships with sellers. That's really the whole point of the broker. I didn't want to grow with a complete rookie, but didn't feel like going after a well-established broker that had been in the business for 20 years was going to be the best fit. You know, and so just started cold calling them, telling them exactly what I was looking for, you know, a value-add deal north of 50 doors, somewhere in Denver, Colorado Springs. By that point, I'd narrowed down my market. And it was hard to get people to take me seriously. But I think that going for a broker with that sort of demographic and situational you know, overview was helpful um, and got me to the right couple of people that were willing to start sending deals and willing to start talking to me, even if they have since admitted they didn't take me seriously at the time. I was at least demonstrating the right steps that I knew what I was talking about. And then, you know, when they would send me deals, um, I remember one deal in particular, it was a brand new build of about 12 units, didn't fit any of the criteria that I'd asked, but it was in a resort area that could have been an Airbnb hotspot or is an Airbnb hotspot. And I just asked the broker, hey, could you Airbnb this? He didn't know. So I took it upon myself to go research with the city council, what is available here for Airbnb? Is it a licensed area? Ended up that three of the 12 units could have been Airbnb. Um, and that would have capped out 
And so I provided that information to the broker. But it was at that moment that our relationship really turned and he realized that, oh, this guy is engaged and is thinking outside the box of ways to make properties work. And I was providing some value to him. He went on and later sold that deal. But he was able to say, you know, here's what you can do from an Airbnb standpoint. So really trying to provide value to the brokers, even as I'm trying to leverage them to find my first deal. Nice. So he sends you this deal, you know, that you closed on. And what really happened next? How, you know, how did you approach that? How did you figure out that, okay, this is something I want to pursue? When I first saw the deal, it was on the company website and it had been on the market for about nine months. Uh, But when I ran the numbers, it looked too good to be true. And I, by that point, I'd probably underwritten 50 deals, by no means an expert. And I'm still growing in that area. But I'd done enough to kind of know, you know, generally what a good deal would look like. Um, And this was the first really good deal that I had ever seen. And so instantly, I'm wondering what's wrong. What happened on the environmental reports? I just haven't seen any good deals last on the market. Why is this deal still around? Uh, It was a 64 unit on the north end of Colorado Springs, built in 1965, you know, looked like a solid asset that was still on the market for some odd reason. So really started quizzing the broker, what's the backstory on this? And and it ends up, the backstory is this was a a complex that had been built by a lawyer and was still owned by the builder. He had been based in Colorado Springs and had amassed a, a quite substantial portfolio across the country. He was slowly divesting himself of all his Colorado Springs assets. And this was his very first project. This was his baby. And he was somewhat emotionally tied to it. And then his son had managed the property for at least three years prior and had really put it into the tank. It had been almost 50% vacant over the summer of 2017. It had actually gone under contract several times, but wasn't able to get agency debt because of the vacancy factor. Um, And so he had ended up hiring a professional property manager, an individual, not a firm, but uh, somebody who had prior experience and tasked them with getting occupancy up. And I happened to see the property right when they had put on some updated T12 and rent roll information. You know, by this time, it's really stale on the market and most people weren't looking actively at it. It had already been under contract twice and fallen out. So really, it was a case of perfect timing. The data showed that it was starting to turn the corner. The occupancy was back up to a level where agency or traditional debt would touch it. and You wouldn't have to get a bridge loan. The more I dug into it, the better the numbers looked. And the story was compelling as well. I mean, you really couldn't script it better for a value add play, which is what we were looking for. Nice. So, I mean, 50% vacant, you know, your first syndication, you know, it's, it's just impressive, you know, and so I hope that inspires, you know, the listeners as well, that, you just got to get in there and make it happen, right? And, and you know, I like too how you mentioned, you know, you had underwritten at least 50 deals before you found this one, you know, your first one. And so, you know, it wasn't the first one or two properties that you had underwritten that that you got a contract on. You know, so it's going to take some time usually, right? And you got to put the time in and, and it sounds like you did. So, you know, you wondered why the deal was still around, you dug in, you figured out why. And so what really happened next? Why why were you awarded the deal, you know, maybe over other people? Yeah, so we uh, actually came in, it was a competitive bid environment, but we offered two 30-day extensions. Uh, the seller, again, old lawyer, really cared about avoiding taxes. Um, and so we gave him two 30-day extensions to be able to identify a 1031 exchange. We actually placed our offer in early April of 2018 and didn't get feedback from the seller for a month. 
he had a really hard time focusing on us. This property was really low on his priority list. Um, the other buyers, potential buyers, fell out of the bidding process because he was so unresponsive. We didn't actually go under contract until the beginning of June. And that was not because we were negotiating back and forth. It was because we were uh, jumping up and down, trying to get him to pay attention to us. Really, the terms didn't change at all from our initial offer uh, to what we signed on in June. But it was really an exercise in patience, just waiting on the seller to take time to evaluate our offer. And once he had to actually sign and commit to the deal process. And I think that that's another reason that this deal had sat around for so long is he just he wasn't completely sure he wanted to sell it. There were some motions tied up into it, I think. And just generally was at a point in his career where he couldn't really be bothered with the small fry like a 64 unit. So for us, you know, while it could have been a little bit frustrating, I was thankful for it because it was another barrier to entry. It kept other people from getting into the deal. And once we got it under contract, we knew that, uh, that we were going to be able to close. So I like how you stuck with it. And you talked about how the seller was so unresponsive. And that made the other potential buyers fall off or lose interest. But you stayed in there. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's important in real estate in general. There's going to be a lot of obstacles. I've certainly found that nothing is quote unquote easy. And you have to look at those obstacles as really opportunities. You know, if it's an obstacle for me, if I can figure out a way around it, I've just shed, you know, 50%, 90% of my competition uh, because they aren't willing to take the time to, to figure out a way around this obstacle, whatever it may be. So really seeing those obstacles as opportunities, I think is an important just outlook on life in general, but specifically in real estate, it really helps in getting deals done. I like that a lot. And Sam, what was the hardest part of this process or the, you know, before we run out of time, I just want to ask you a few more questions and, but of this deal in general and this syndication process, uh, what was the hardest part for you? The hardest part would have been finding the deal. The rest of the deal, once we got under contract, the due diligence, the capital raise, all of that went smoother than I expected. And in the six months we've owned the deal, we haven't uncovered any huge misses that we made or any huge mistakes that we made in those processes. So I feel a little bit safe in saying that, but, but really finding the deal. Finding deals today is difficult. You have to look at a ton and you have to really dig into your underwriting to make sure that when you find something that looks good on paper, it's actually good in person. Is there a way that you have recently improved your business or that we could all apply to ours or, or maybe just a way you recommend that something everybody does to have a successful syndication business? I think taking notes of your process along the way. I've just started uh, scribing. Those of you who are familiar with the Miracle Morning know what I'm talking about. But really uh, keeping track of what you're learning over time and creating processes. I know that's something that you've done in your podcast, Whitney. But anytime that you're doing something, taking notes of how you did that process and how you could improve it down the line, I know that's a somewhat general and maybe even an obvious statement. But for me, that's something that I've really been working on in my business that we're under contract on another deal right now. And so going back to my notes and looking at what did we do in the due diligence process the last time? What did I wish I had improved on? And what do I want to do differently in this deal? Um, but it's hard to do that if you haven't taken notes, if you can't recall quickly what you did do, and then obviously standardizing your processes for all of those functions is important and allows you to be more effective and more efficient. So what would you say is the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Number one thing, I think it would be my love of learning. I was homeschooled growing up. 
you know, and that allowed my parents to instill in me a love of learning. And that, that was really their number one goal. Uh, they did a great job in educating me. I really enjoyed that experience um, and it allowed me to graduate college early. But through that whole process, it was just a love of exploration and a curiosity about the world around me. I'm thankful for that, extraordinarily thankful. But I think if you're willing to learn, man, there's not a lot that isn't possible. And is there anything you're excited about in your business right now? Uh, I'm very excited that we're scaling up. We just went under contract on a 180-unit deal, again, in Colorado Springs. You know, Really excited to walk through the due diligence process of that. We're about to do unit walkthroughs, um, then obviously heading into our capital raise. So there's uh, a lot of parts about that that are exciting to me. I can't wait to get this deal under contract and excited to see where this goes. You know, we're actively looking to grow um, here in Colorado. And so far, it's been an exciting ride. Awesome. And Sam, tell us how you like to give back. Um, My wife and I are both uh, committed followers of Christ, and we're very active in our local church. Uh, That's probably the number way we give back. Really enjoy fellowshipping and serving with our local body here in Brighton, Colorado. Awesome. Sam, I really appreciate you mentioning that. I appreciate just your time being on the show and just the value uh, you've provided to the listeners and myself. And, uh, you know, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and, and get in touch with you. Yeah, thanks, Whitney. Website is VGI Capital. It stands for Vision, Growth, and Integrity. Now, those are three things that uh, I'm committed to as part of our business. So, VGICapital.com. I also host a podcast that's dedicated to reviewing books with a partner. We read a variety of books from history to personal development and try to provide helpful tips for our listeners. That's review improve. You can find that on iTunes or on Spotify. Awesome. We'll be sure to have that in the show notes as well. Sam, thanks again. I appreciate the listeners being with us today as well. Hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me and go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, where we can all learn from experts like Sam and grow our businesses together. We will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.